What's up, guys? Welcome to the Fresh RN Podcast. I am Katie Kleber, and I'm back here with another episode on the coronavirus and everything that's going on in our nursing community right now. So this is going to be a series of a few episodes on this topic, and then um, at the beginning of May, we'll hop into our regular Fresh RN Podcast topics. Um, so I ended our last episode talking about you know, we we are in this kind of state of have, being fearful and things not going the way that we want them to. And I thought that it would be beneficial to speak with a mental health professional on this because um, I think, we, you know, we still have to go to work. So how do we go to work um, and not have this consume our peace and our life and our ability to just function as humans? So I have someone here today who has worked in mental health for 10 years. Um oh, 11, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I think, yeah, just about 11. 11 years. Well, how about you? Can you describe your mental health experience mm -hmm. um, and kind of where you are now and what you're doing now? Yeah, so um, back in like 2008, I started out working with kids and teenagers who were had been placed out of their homes due to some of their mental health, behavioral health needs. Um, so those were residential treatment centers. Um, I worked something called intensive in-home counseling with kids who are in danger being placed out of their homes for like four and a half or five years, some care coordination. And now I've been doing a clinical internship for the last year and a half to two years, about to hopefully be done. Yeah, you're... Unless things get postponed. My test has been postponed, um, but at a, at a private practice here. And what's your name? My name's John. <laughs> Hi, John. Kleber. John Same Kleber. last name as yours. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, we're married. That's my husband. That's hey -o. Yep. <laughs> um, John's actually going to do some podcast episodes later on about um, some mental wellness things and um, emotional wellness for us later in the Fresh Iron podcast. This won't probably come out. Your other episodes probably won't come out until closer till September, but... Mm. Um, I just felt like it would be so beneficial to chat with you. But yeah, you're, I can't imagine my NCLEX exam being postponed and your licensure exam got postponed. Is graduation? Maybe. Man. They're talking about maybe extending the semester. I mean, it's all in flux. But I, I mean, I think there's so much for everybody right now in yeah. life that, I mean, you're hearing it left and right that just plans are getting changed. Things are getting interrupted. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's kind of pick up where we left off in terms of, uh, our, the mental state of our community of nurses and we're, we're scared, but we mm -hmm. got to go into the storm. Right. Um, how do, how do we, I guess I outlined, yeah, you're allowed to be scared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is not cool and um, giving ourselves space to experience that. So what does giving ourselves space to experience those emotions really look like? Other than like, or I just got, yeah, what, what is experiencing that look like? Yeah, well, let me just say, I appreciate the way you said, we're scared and we got to go into the storm. And you got to start by just acknowledging that you're scared and acknowledging how you feel. So how do you do that? Um, I always tell people, um, it, it's important to find a way to not only identify the specific emotions you're experiencing and how this is all affecting you, but to express them in one way or another. Um, when we hold emotions in, when we hold how something is affecting us in, it does more damage to us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Isn't there evidence to suggest that people that have an unexpressed emotion that gets like translated physically? Yeah, I so so yes. I mean, I think there's 
um, there's some, you know, documented and identified mental health, emotional health issues that can be very much related to, um, or excuse me, physical health related to your emotional health. Um, and I mean, those play off of each other. It kind of goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, we are whole beings. So when we feel afraid, you know, now we're talking about your central nervous system and your sympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight. Well, we know that your fight or flight affects your breathing, affects your physiological processes. So your stress hormones right. and your adrenaline, your epinephrine. Not to try to sound like a nurse here with <laughs> all these terms, but. Oh, you know what we should do? You know what we're going to do? I'm going to get out one of my nursing journals and have you try to pronounce some of the words. Riboflex acid. <laughs> That's my. I did that. It's my I had, claim to fame when I read that. I had I did a video a long time ago of you. Uh, I get well, I got my American Association of Critical Care Nurses like monthly journal, and I was like, John, why don't you read this? And it was a one on a bunch of antibiotics, and the way <laughs> that you said Leviquin, um, like I had tears streaming down my Level face. Level what? Um, Leviquin. Oh, I don't remember that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, we're going to have to do a pause and then you're going to have to do that. All right. All right. But anyways, um, uh, so yeah, so we can have a physical by, by experiencing some pretty intense emotions and, and stifling them and not experiencing and not allowing ourselves space to like, Hey, this mm-hmm. is what, this is what I'm genuinely feeling right now can, can have physical implications is right. kind of the, what I was getting to mm-hmm. i guess okay so value there so what would how how can we do that yeah so <clears throat> let's just start with kind of the basic ways that we know um literally stopping and telling someone how you feel so i, I will say when it comes to things like anxiety stress fear what we can do is kind of be a We can check into those thoughts and feelings, but kind of do it more so like a mouse on a wheel. We can ruminate Mm. versus stopping and taking a breath. And, you know, like when you go to a counseling session, you're stopping and you're telling someone, you know, this is what's going on. This is how I'm experiencing it. This is how I'm feeling. That's a really good way to like differentiate. It's like. I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. Like like just going on that wheel and then what mm-hmm. am I gonna do? I'm gonna go check the news and see how bad it is and see da, da, da. versus wait, I feel I feel afraid and identifying it as a feeling, something that will pass, something that's not part of who you are, but just this feeling that's happening and like stopping mm-hmm. as opposed to just getting on the wheel and go, 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 go. Right. And that's a good point. The way that you process this stuff translates to how you end up dealing with it. So mm-hmm. as a nurse the way you process how the coronavirus and, um, you know, the fear, the anxiety, how all that is affecting you determines whether you can actually go in and do what you need to do in a more effective way. Yeah. Um, so stopping, well, let's first just talk about how you can do that yourself individually. Because I do think there's a thing where we need to be able to stop, but we do have to be a little conscientious about who we talk to. Sure. Because we have that represent or that, that, I'm a nurse and what I say to people is going to probably influence and, and, and right. yeah. Yeah. So let me just start with how you do that individually. Um, there's, there's a few different things I recommend, you know, spoiler alert. They may sound a little corny, <laughs> but um, some of these things I thought were corny and then I tried them and I was like, oh gosh, 
Yeah. These are work. These work. <laughs> yeah. um, so number one, stopping and getting quiet and taking some deep breaths and not really trying to control what you're thinking or feeling just for like a, a minute or two. Just acknowledge everything that's swirling through your mind, all the emotions, and then maybe even say it out loud, but you just say, I feel, I feel scared right now. That is so powerful because I've start I've done that. Um, I didn't used to do that. And that's some, a practice over the last year I've been implementing mm-hmm. and good Lord, that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've heard it called breathing through a trigger. Mm-hmm. You sit there and you take, you conscientiously stop, take some deep breaths and identify how you're feeling in that moment. Right. So we're both ex athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, Every now and then, I feel like I'm still a current athlete. <laughs> when we're like when, chasing our children and uh, like make like a like a move to like save them from falling. Yeah. Right. Well, in that or, case, I'm sometimes a bad athlete. <laughs> um, or when I almost beat you in one on one the other day. Okay. <laughs> um, when you're when you're lifting weights, there's pain involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you always hear a trainer say? Breathe. Breathe yeah. through each rep. Yeah. What does that do? Um, number one, that enables you to take on a little bit more pain to actually do whatever specific exercise you're doing more effectively. Or discomfort, pain or discomfort, right? Pain or discomfort. Um, and not all pain or discomfort's bad. I mean, but being able to breathe through it actually prepares you to better deal with it mm. and control it. Um, so being able to breathe, being able to say, I feel afraid, I feel anxious, um, and give yourself that space. Now, there's, again, another corny thing maybe that you've heard in psychology, but I think the fancy term for it is kind of a, a guided imagery. But where I take that, I mean, there's some beautiful places I've been that have been very peaceful. And for me personally, I believe in God. And so when I'm expressing those things, sometimes I'm picturing myself in those peaceful places with him right there. And I'm, tell, I'm telling him mm-hmm. how I feel. And I'm receiving whatever comfort I need in that moment. Other, other ideas, um, I think that writing is huge. Mm-hmm. And there's just too much research on it. There's too much oh research about writing. There really is. I was um, looking that up for something, and it's like the amount of research on journaling or, and it, it, or just and writing or physically writing, mm-hmm. not typing, but physically writing. Although if you're not going to physically write, type. Right. But is there – it's – amazing how much there is out there to substantiate that practice sure Sure. um and you know there's some where it's more free-flowing writing Mm -hmm. where you're just venting out what you feel and i think that's a good place to start it's yeah it's really nice to do that like i'm not worried about someone else reading this or Mm -hmm. editing it it sounds it can sound stupid or disconjointed or it's not it doesn't Mm -hmm. it's just these are my raw thoughts and honestly i've done some journaling where i just start out like that where Mm -hmm. i just start out writing whatever, literally whatever comes to my mind and getting it kind of out of the way. And then once I've done that for a few pages, um, I can really, okay, I'm now I have some collected thoughts I want to put down on paper, Mm -hmm. but I interrupted you. Yeah. So, um, the, the writing is important. Uh, There's other structured forms of writing you can do, but I think if we're just talking about identifying how you feel, Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting because, in something called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, there's these these thought charts where you actually you'll go through your day and then you'll take a situation and you'll write down what the situation was. You write down 
what your emotion was, how intensely you felt it and what you did. And then you'll write down the thought associated with it. Mm. And then it leads you into what are some other thoughts I could have about the situation that might lead to a different emotion or might be more adaptive. So it's that idea of writing helps you organize some of that and then eventually notice where your thoughts are, you know, maybe can be adjusted or reframed. It's interesting thinking about processing thoughts and emotions that way because I feel like before I had perspective on this, I felt like my mind and my identity and my everything was just a a big sea of thoughts and emotions and I didn't think to differentiate them, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, And just because I used to think like just because I think something or feel something, it must be true. Mm -hmm. So the ability to have any objectivity was not there because I just didn't realize it. It was like, oh, if I feel stupid, I must be stupid. Mm -hmm. Or if I feel or if I have this thought, then I must be whatever that is. Um, And how important it is to get that objectivity because that stuff is you know we are not our thoughts we're not our emotions and that stuff comes and we need you know being Mm -hmm. able to look at them objectively and get whatever like connections and when I feel like this I think like this or when I've thought like this this emotion or whatever that you know yeah so there's a there's a saying as a man or woman thinks so is he or she Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what we're getting at is the way that we think and interpret our situations determines a lot but back to emotions um, other ways to express them. I, I think people can get creative um, when we're talking individually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm someone, I, I think a lot of us do. We, I connect to music a lot. Um, and sometimes there's just songs that when I don't really have the words, I can put them on and it's, it's as if I'm expressing myself through that song. Mm-hmm. And those words and what's in there, maybe even just singing those out loud to myself in the car. I do like it's it all when good. you sing. Be that person. I love me a good um, John Cleaver solo. I got, I got to practice. Um, <laughs> I, I think that can be powerful and it can be a way of expressing. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are ex- extremely artistic. Um, you know, sometimes with kids, kids have a hard time saying how they feel. They need to be taught that, but you give them something to draw with. Sometimes their feelings come out in drawing and that's a way of oh, expressing. Yeah. I mean, um, I've done that with our daughter before where mm-hmm. Hannah was like, really and excited i was like hannah go color how you feel Mm -hmm. and then she was like okay and she went and colored and it was like six seconds of coloring and she's like all right what do you want to do right (laughs) um that worked and and this is where i'd say each person has unique strengths um gifts yeah abilities interests and i think you can you can get creative and learn you um in terms of expressing now then we get into if there's someone you trust um there's someone that you know can listen well and hear what you're saying mm-hmm. <clears throat> then excuse me being able to go and talk with them about here's how i'm feeling mm-hmm. um, there are times where that's necessary and that, that's a lot of what counseling can be um, so those are just some recommendations for how to deal with the emotion i, I do think all of those have one common thing mm-hmm. taking the time to stop and face them head on Ooh, versus I like letting them dominate you but kind of be in the background and make you run and do all these things and avoid them Mm. Um, we could get more into that because there are times to go and just kind of do something to get your mind off there are other times to give yourself a moment to feel Mm. but it's important to do that i think right now as nurses because hey we got something scary we're getting ready to walk into yeah and you don't want to like lean into Mm -hmm. distraction the entire time right Right. like being able to uh 
like face it head on. I don't like the way you said that. Like not, we're not ignoring it. We're not pretending it's not there. Cause it's so many of us, like when we have a tough, when we're faced with big, tough emotions, like when we want to, when we feel the urge to cry mm-hmm. and, and express it, or some people would say get emotional, um, we're almost conditioned to not go there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes at the bedside, that's appropriate. You don't want to break down crying in front of your patient all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are times where it's like, especially if you're kind of gearing up to go to work. Right. I think that would be wise. Or like, you know, you got a shift tomorrow you're nervous about mm-hmm. journaling or gardening or or whatever your, your jam is and being purposeful about I'm having these emotions about tomorrow. Let mm-hmm. me let me get in a good headspace. Let me lean into this right. instead of avoiding it. Right. OK, I like that. I like that, John Kleber. Glad you like it. Hopefully other people find it helpful. Oh, yeah. All right. So Hopefully now that, I find it helpful. <laughs> we all, yeah, this is all a practice, right? And I think we need to throw that in there is like doing this kind of stuff is a practice and a thing that you're, you're not going to just flip a switch and do perfectly. You know, you're going to have times where you yeah. don't do it I the don't, best. I don't, I don't go to the gym for the first time and pick up 65-pound dumbbells. Yeah. Um, I, I got to work do. my way up. Well, I do. not everybody's Katie Kleber. <laughs> but I got I to gotta work my way up. I have to practice. I have to get better at those things. And it, it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And even when you get to where you want to be or think you should be, you're still going to be not perfect, right? right. That's a whole other thing. So now we've identified, let's say we've had the space, given ourselves the permission, the time, the mm-hmm. ability to lean into the emotion and whatnot. Now what do we do? So that's where I think you then start to to prepare, how do I go forward? And that's where I think you you take a look at those thoughts, some of those anxious, fearful thoughts. Um, in this situation, and um, you can maybe give some more in, insight on this, but as a nurse going into a scary situation like this, there's a lot of unknown. Right. That's the scary, yeah, we want, and all we want is to be safe. Like I want to yeah. go into work. I want to know the mask that I have to put on my face mm-hmm. is going to be there and that it's the right kind of mask and that I'm not going to get myself sick and bring myself home and get my family sick. Right. Like there's so much unknown. There's so much fear. Right. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So what I always start with is, okay, well, what, what do I know? So nurses, what what do you know for sure? And I think a lot of times what that translates to is, well, what I know for sure is the stuff that I can get my hands on and control. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I refocus on here's my task for the day? Here's my focus. Mm-hmm. There's, there's another saying. I'm full of them. Um, and <laughs> you I, are full of it. I, wow. <laughs> Dang. Mean. Um, Just shout out to my, my childhood basketball coach, Verdell Jones, for this saying. Um, the power of fear is distraction. The power of faith is focus. Mm. Um, Wait, can you say that one more time? The, the power of fear is distraction. Mm. The power of faith is focus. Yeah, because when we're scared, man, we don't want to. We we want to distract mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so as you're going to a scary situation, let me focus on the things that I know and I can control mm-hmm. and I can get my hands on. If I spend a lot of my time focusing on what I can't do anything about. I'm going to stay in that maladaptive anxiety and fear. Ooh, I, that clinical term. Maladaptive. <laughs> that, sounds like not like, that sounds like a dinosaur name. Interesting. No? I've never heard anyone say that. A maladaptive The maladaptive. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is us. Um, <laughs> he said it. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah does that does that make sense it does um you you start to pick out all right where do i need to focus what's my what's my task list for the day now i something you've told me is one day the recommendations could be one thing and the very next day you find out nope don't do it that way Mm -hmm. yeah and actually so actually right before we sat down because I was, as many of you may know, I don't actually work clinically at the bedside right now. I'm, I'm at home full time working as a freelance uh, nurse educator creating this stuff. And um, I've like talked to quite a few people, read online and how, you know, originally it was airborne precautions, which mm-hmm. requires a certain mask, a certain kind of room, certain kind of supplies. Right. Um, and the challenge with this pathogen is that there's there wasn't, or this strain of coronavirus, there was no research because we didn't know about it how it's transmitted is it through those big droplets like when somebody sneezes and it can and it can travel about six feet it can be in the air about however many hours you know and in those situations a regular face mask works just fine Mm -hmm. but if the particles are aerosolized and smaller like hairspray when you spray that and it's much smaller those can get through that mask yeah and those patients who have aerosolized um can transmit their disease through an aerosolized means have to have a certain kinds of precautions in place which are called airborne precautions so patients who have measles varicella Mm um oh my gosh and tb Mm-hmm. They have to have this specific kind of precautions, and they and we know those disease pathogens and and transmission modes backwards and forwards because we're very familiar with them, and we don't have that information now. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot I've been reading. There's a lot of um, trials and studies going on right right like literally right now, and things mm-hmm. coming out every single day. And what it looked like was originally, and I don't know if this was done out of an abundance of caution because they did not know otherwise. So they said, okay, everybody use the N95 respirators put them on airborne precautions not sure if that was done out of the abundance of caution or if they truly believed this is transmitted via airborne um right but in the last couple days they switched it to saying Mm -hmm. all right only droplet precautions we think it's we it's mainly transmitted i actually read a read a um i don't think it's not a study it's not peer-reviewed because it's been so fast Mm -hmm. but um a trial where they saw and try to measure how far it can go and whatnot. Um, and, and the thought is that it is mainly through droplet. And while there yeah. could be aerosolized transmission, that is by far the exception and not the rule. Mm-hmm. So the CDC recently changed their recommendation to say, okay, only put them in an airborne room and use N95 masks if you're doing, doing procedures that are aerosolized generating. Mm-hmm. So intubating patients, CPAP, BiPAP, um, suctioning, like all these very, these things that would, you know, get their respiratory secretions all out of there. Right. So that, and that's changed within the last couple of days. But when you're on the front lines and you're like, all right, use this really, use this N95 mask. Okay. Now you just need a surgical mask. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a little like, wait a minute, was I not safe the other day? Right. What if the answer is yes? What if the answer is yes? I don't want to think about that. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, just being honest, those, it's so hard to look back at something. Even if you're saying, well, I did the best I knew. Yeah. It's hard to look back and be like, oh, looks like I did that wrong. Looks like that was unsafe. Um, and, but the frustrating thing is I did what I was what I was mm-hmm. told I was was safe. Well, right. although I guess... 
Well, if we're going from, or maybe, no, the concern is backwards right now because we're going from something that's like N95 and like, mm-hmm. so now we're kind of, it seems like laxing on our on our prof- or personal protective equipment, which is scary to say, wait a minute, right. like, um, I don't need as much protection. Are you sure this is, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. There's a sheet I used to give people called Accepting Uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And really hard thing to accept. Yeah, it is. But especially in the medical world, because when you're conditioned, kind mm-hmm. of there's this things wrong with them. We typically do these specific things. We know these. Okay, they've got this diagnosis. They need this kind of precaution. If they've got this, you do this and this. So right. we're, we we um, live and thrive in this environment mm-hmm. of knowing what to do. Well, before I get to that big topic, because that's kind of where I would want to end on. In between that, so you've refocused on what you know to do. Mm-hmm. Like in this day, in this moment, I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm not worrying about what's ahead. In this moment, here's what I know to do, mm-hmm. um, which some people would say is the definition of mindfulness in a way, mm-hmm. being in the moment. Yeah. Um, there's grounding techniques. That's where I think coping comes in. Um, as I go through my day, you know, what are what are different things that I am doing that engage my five senses into the moment I'm in? Mm-hmm. So that can mean, you know what, I'm going to really focus in on this patient right now or when I'm charting. Um, I'm going to really focus in on my charting all the way down to what does the pen feel like against my fingers? What is the mouse what is, click? What do I, the mouse click. Like those are grounding techniques to help keep your mind in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, research shows I can't be it's really hard for me to be checked into my five senses in that moment and also be lost in anxiety or lost in fear or lost in something else. And I have to speak to the how effective that is. Like mm-hmm. I used to get really, really nervous on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Don't anymore, but that was a technique that I would use when I would feel my anxiety ramp up. Right. Um, now, if you're at the bedside, I don't know how much you want to clue into your smell. I'll tell you what, though. (laughs) Okay, fair. Not a good smell. You'll have a different problem to deal with. But you probably won't have the anxiety and fear to deal with with as much. Nobody is focused on it. Oh, my. Um, So I think what we just did there was made poop a good thing. (laughs) Well, no, no, no. Nurses, so we don't like to smell it and deal with it. But, boy, we are happy when our patients do poop. Because that means their bowels are working. Gosh. You will not, like, if you Such had, a caring thing to say. <laughs> if you've had surgery, and this is your first bowel movement after surgery, mm-hmm. that nurse is very happy for you. Right. Yeah, Gosh. this is a wonderful thing. You're looking at me like I'm No, I was thinking about saying insane. something. <laughs> like, so why don't you clap for me when I <laughs> All right. My bad, y'all. I said it. All right. So All right. Fo- refocus. Refocus. Mindful. We need uh, to be mindful. Um, so I, I think there's coping strategies. I think that also looks like when you're on break, um, you go for a walk, look yeah. around, look at some trees. I, I love trees. Look at some trees, feel feel the breeze on me a little bit or whatever the weather is. Um, Not pulling up that, that news feed mm-hmm. of all the latest coronavirus death toll situations. Right. Stuff you can't put your hands on right now. You have what you have what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's like I need to know this, you know, yeah. f- for these reasons. Right. Um I think that's where coping comes in. I think that's that's the purpose of coping and healthy coping. Yeah. Um 
then from there is where I think we go to the accepting uncertainty. And here's where maybe it gets a little bit less cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say a very obvious statement. We live in an uncertain world. And it's interesting because I think that we can convince ourselves that it is certain because mm-hmm. we create a lot of routine. And when we work in our environment, we have like very predictable patterns mm-hmm. and, and um, care plans and ways that things are supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can almost really trick ourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> into thinking we have complete control over everything mm-hmm. and everything is predictable, but when really it's not. Yeah. Um, we all have to, at some point and in some way, come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there there are statistics. There's evidence. I don't want to minimize those. That's where some of that reminding myself of what I do know comes into play. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the likelihood that this would happen to me? What do I know about the coronavirus and how I can be safe? Mm-hmm. Those all can provide some comfort. But at the end of the day, we don't know 100%. And things can happen that we don't plan for, that weren't supposed to happen, quote unquote. Yeah. How do we find peace in that? How do we grapple with that? Yeah. How do we do that? Now, I could, really, what I need to do is just leave that open-ended. I know how I deal with that. Mm. Um, because aren't we getting down to, like, root level mm-hmm. meaning of life? Yeah, we're getting down to existential issues. Um, I always like to bring up this guy, Viktor Frankl, pretty well known in psychology. Um, I love came that up last with something. name. Yeah, great name. Frankl. Yeah. Wait, wait hold up. on. Reminds me of Rick Finkel. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference. I just, I had to get the Ace Ventura reference. Absolutely. In there. Yeah. So um, he came up with something called logotherapy, which mm-hmm. is kind of a therapy that deals with meaning in your circumstances. And um, he was in a concentration camp. He saw how people had to deal with um, un, you know, unexplainable, unimaginable situations, mm-hmm. like without fathom. I'm thinking of Megamind. Unfathomable, <laughs> without fathom. <laughs> unfathomable. Unfathom. I, I often find that going, you know, whenever I'm dealing with myself, it always comes down to, okay, there's, there's a lot of scary stuff that could happen. Where do I ultimately find peace? Where do I ultimately find meaning? Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned before, I believe in God. So for me, that's where it lies. For I think everyone has to grapple with it. it uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Now you have some people who are like, you know what? I just want to cope my way through. Um, but I, I do think if you follow it down to its root level, we all grapple with those issues. Because you can find peace in the uncertainty if you do feel a bigger sense of purpose and meaning i think yeah i mean i I think that's a lot of you know what we talk about and you know like let's bring in grief for a second which i usually mention in this whole process you know there's been a, a loss there's been a loss of life. There's been a loss of health. There's been a loss of routine and predictability mm-hmm. in this whole thing. We, we grieve those things. Yeah. What you... we expected, what we wanted to mm-hmm. happen. Um, and, you know, there's the traditional five, you know, five steps of grief. Last one's acceptance. I had actually seen like a flyer for a training that was being put on by, I think it was like the granddaughter of Kubler-Ross. Kubler-Ross. And I think it talked about like the sixth step, and I'm pretty sure it was about meaning. So really? how do you find meaning moving forward? I think I think that's 
it's a big topic, and I think it does provide, um, that's kind of the whole thing, is people who are able to find meaning in their circumstances are able to really adjust and deal with it better. Mm. So, Well, let's, uh, we'll end on that. Um, and thank you so much for chatting with us about mm-hmm. um, this pretty complex topic. It can be can it can be difficult to put words to some of these um, thoughts and emotions that we feel. So. Absolutely. And let me just say, nurses, healthcare professionals, people who are um, out there pushing through this fear, dealing with it, really appreciate you. Yes, those of you on the front lines, which is probably most of you listening, we just have so you you can do this i I know it's like scary and but we're gonna push through this we're gonna get through this we'll get through this like we got through sars and zika and ebola and all those other things um and hopeful that these resources can um be a support to you as you do so thank you so much nurses and stay fresh Damn crowd better hit the floor All the other fellas better run for the door Stop, drop, and roll with me